come have your way. Manifest your presence with this.
Also, if you have any older youth in the house, youth group upstairs tonight. Chris, not you. Something. And 
there's something here. Amen? Amen. All right. That's all I want to say that. All right. Lord, we thank you that in our worship we're givers, Lord, and that as we take a walk of faith, a step of faith, that we give, Lord, even, even for some of us that may be some trying times financially, that we never, ever stop looking to you as our provider. And we thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to be able to give, to be changed into something. You're teaching us, Lord, and I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody say it. Amen. All right, if you have something, you may bring it down. I do have some announcements. Um, this coming Sunday, by the way, one big family Sunday. Yes. Oh, all everybody, all ages are in the house for the whole service. We did one in August. We'll do it again Sunday. I love it. I think it's a good time. Uh, it is a little messy with the kids and the noise, but oh yeah, yeah, but a, a, a silent church and a dead church. You hear me? And a church that you don't hear the kids and see the kids run around and hear the kids laughing and hear the kids crying and fussing, it's just going to be a dead church eventually. Jesus said, hey, bring all the kids unto me, for it's like this is the kingdom, right? So we like to get together and keep them up here. I know we separate them so much, but we love to be together every now and then for a full church. So one big family Sunday is a Sunday. We have a baby dedication too, which is pretty cool. Happening Sunday. So uh, come on out for that and invite somebody. But I have some brand new, brand new announcements real quick. Uh, this is kind of way off, but um, I threw this out there. On December the 11th, I believe that's the correct date. If somebody wants to look at the Saturday, I'm going off the top of my head here. It's, if December 11th is the Saturday on the calendar, well, I'm men's breakfast that morning. All right. It's the 13th. Mason's got Okay, December, wherever. Okay. Sign up for that. Back to Saturday morning, men's breakfast. We're going to get together. I'm going I'm to talk about uh, a few moments about some guy stuff. So that's all I'm going to say about that. All right, so be here that morning. I may say some more things about that until then. But uh, next thing is, uh, don't forget, and, and this is something we started last year. It's an annual thing. Every year, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we take up a Thanksgiving offering. And it's a yearly Thanksgiving offering as the Lord will lay upon your heart to give. And if that's nothing, that's cool. If it's something, that's cool too. Um, and every year we designate our Thanksgiving offering towards something. And last year we designated Thanksgiving offering towards the kickoff of the funds for the renovation of this facility. This year our Thanksgiving offering is going to be held to the spring and it's going to go towards uh, redoing our roof. And our roof is not in, in bad shape, but when we bought the building, they said it had four or five years good left, so I just got to take care of it and be done. Okay, so. Thanksgiving offering this year, taken is Sunday before Thanksgiving, will be designated to fix uh, uh, or renew our work. Okay? So just keep that in mind. With that, then, uh, if you know somebody in need, it could be you yourself or somebody you know, um, that you think we could help them with their Thanksgiving this year, talk to Macy. And she's going to get your name and the name of that person. And we would like to do something as a church for those people. Not, not necessarily buy a full meal or anything, but do something to help them towards their Thanksgiving dinner. Okay? So if you know somebody, or even you yourself, you don't even care about that because we're here to help bear one of those burdens. And right now we're in a time of inflation and high gas prices. And I understand there's some people that it's tight. So 
you yourself, you know somebody in need. And, and here, here's the thing I know is, is uh, I don't know about you, but I think people should be able to eat good on Thanksgiving. That's just me. I don't know. I'm like that. So we like to help people out. And, and, this is, and these are the kind of things we'd like to start doing more of, but we'll just get to the place where we can start doing these things. So if you know somebody or yourself, please see Macy, and she's just going to relay information to me, and then we'll do something about that, okay? And last but not least is, just to throw this out, um, it looks like the basement carpet for the rooms, kids' church rooms, and hallways come in in December, maybe early December, so a little over a month. About a month, which means we have to have everything done, painting, you know, electricity, and all that. The only thing that can't be done is trim work, which we'll do after the carpet. So there's a punch list of things that we've got to take care of before then. So um, not this coming week, but the week after. I'm going to have that punch list. I'm going to throw out a couple times. I'm going to be here, and we'll call a work day for those that can come and help do what the punch list is going to be. Okay, so. It, that's phenomenal, by the way. The carpet is coming. So I'm tired of our kids running around there without carpet. It's part of our process, but I, I want to get the carpet down. And things are moving. If you haven't been in the basement, go look around. Things are happening. All right, go check it out. The kids' bathrooms are done. There's a mom's room pretty much done. Uh, the one kid's classroom is getting done. So just check it out. Things are moving along. But uh, so we got to get this stuff done. It's exciting. And once that carpet's done, other than trim, we can just go like this. Wow. Yeah. We're pretty much caught up to the spring and then get outside with some stuff outside. So, amen? amen. Sound good? Amen. We all board? Yes. All right. Get your Bibles out. Go to the book of Philemon. The book of Philemon. And tonight and next week, we are going to do a book study of the book of Philemon. And on Wednesday night, I like to. Uh, do some book studies now and then. Um, I know as a meteor, we're gonna we're gonna jump into the Book of Romans. That's gonna be a, a, a barn burner for a while on Wednesday. Book of Romans. But we're gonna be in Philemon tonight and uh, next Wednesday. Now, here's what I know about Philemon. Philemon is a book in the Bible that most likely does not get visited very often. It's a small book. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, of the books that we find in the New Testament that are, that are letters, epistles, it is one of two that we find that are personal in nature. So in other words, most of the letters, the epistles that we find written by uh, Paul and Peter and John, that there are four groups of people, uh, like churches and, and, and uh, house churches and so forth, but Philemon is one of the two uh, letters we find in the New Testament that was of personal nature. So it's Philemon, the other one is 3 John. And, and Philemon um, is different because it, it is not straight out in overt theological which is why you don't hear a lot of sermons preached at Philemon. Uh, one writer says, in other words, that Philemon does words theology on its sleeve, in other words. So you see, um, in, in the greeting, we're going to read the, the whole entire uh, one chapter book there in just a minute. There are some different greetings in there, but the book is written to Philemon. Okay, Philemon didn't write the letter, Philemon is the one who received it. Okay? And it's not a verb 
in his theology, but what's important about um, Philemon is because it carries two big things. And we're going to talk about one of the big things tonight, we're going to talk about one of the big things next Wednesday. We, we can cover this in a couple Wednesdays. And they both are very big because they capture Paul, who authored the letter. They capture his heart of practice. Okay? So, one instance of Philemon, we can talk about what this is about is, it is theology in motion. Theology being lived out. Theology in action. Okay? And that's what we're going to deal with tonight with Philemon. But then the other big thing that's happening here is you can see in the, this letter this big picture idea that Paul had about unity of people who follow Jesus. And, and, if, and if you do much Paul reading and, and study Paul theology, Paul, in, in one of the biggest things, if not the biggest thing beyond uh, the, the uh, justification we find in Jesus, he is big, big into unity in the body of Christ. And remember, he was the one that took the gospel to the Gentiles. And all the issues that caused, and all the things you see in the book of Acts, and he's dealing with it, especially in a letter like Galatians and other places, that he's big on the unity and moving, dividing things from the body of Christ. And we're going to talk about how that book, how this book deals with that uh, next Wednesday. But theology, in, in other words, is belief. It's foundational ways that we see God, Jesus, and and what it means to live in that. So, having said that, Paul most likely wrote Philemon from uh, an imprisonment in Ephesus. There's some debate about this. Some think he wrote it from uh, imprisonment in Rome. Most kind of settled on Ephesus. And if that's the case, then, uh, he writes to Philemon, who lives in Colossae, or Coloss, which is where the book of Colossians is written to. And it's most likely that he wrote the letter to Philemon, and then also the letter that we call the book of Colossians, and they were sent together. Okay, so it was written roughly, most likely around the same time with the Colossians. And uh, in this we find three, if you want to call them players or characters, that are central to this letter to Philemon. So you have Paul, who, who writes the letter, you have Philemon, who is the recipient of the letter, then you have this character, this guy named Omnisius. And Omnisius is a slave owned by Philemon. And Omnisius is, uh, he is the actual um, uh, focal point and what the letter is really all about. Okay? So you have Philemon, Paul, and Omnisius. Okay? Now, to kind of give a little background, and, and there's some debate on exactly the, the backstory to the book of Philemon and why Paul wrote it, what's going on here. Other different things, here's one way we can settle and talk about what happened. So, Paul's in prison, and Philemon uh, uh, had been converted by Paul to believe in following Jesus at, a, at an earlier date. Okay? So Philemon knows Paul, whether it was a personal one-on-one -on -one conversion or a part of, of a group of people, Paul was, was telling about Jesus, he was converted, he was saved, 
and, 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 and Philemon probably became sort of the leader in the area and even said something about a house church in the beginning of the letter, maybe part of the house church um, that's mentioned there. So Philemon and Paul know each other, and Philemon has an um, apostolic uh, respect for Paul, okay, that Paul would have authority to speak to Philemon about something, all right? Now what happens is, apparently, Omnistius, Philemon's slave, he did something that wronged Philemon. Something happened. Uh, there, there may be something that maybe he took some money and, and misused it or whatever. But Omnistius took off. And, and most likely he seeks out Paul and goes to Paul, knows he's wrong, knows he made a mistake, and he goes to Paul because he knows Philemon and respects Paul and is seeking Paul's help to make things right with Philemon. Now, now there's an alternative that maybe happened that maybe Omnistius um, ran away and, and he, he was captured and arrested and was thrown in jail and just so happened that he was put in jail with Paul. And, and so this sort of goes on. Uh, maybe the way to look at it is what we're saying is that most likely he took off and he'd been gone, and he didn't quite run away, but he's not going back right now, you know? But he seeks out Paul for Paul's help, to help bring a resolution to the mistake that he made, because Philemon respect Paul to listen to what Paul would have to say. But what was wild is, and as it shows in the book, Philemon, uh, I'm sorry, Omnistius, when he's with Paul, gets saved. He's converted. And actually, it, it, it kind of says that he spent some time with Paul, and actually did some gospel work for Paul while Paul was in prison. Because one of the themes of the book is Paul writes his letter and says, hey, if you want to, send him back to me because I can use him. He's a good guy, right? So that's sort of the backdrop. Omniscient, wrong Philemon, his master in some way, he takes off to find Paul for some intervention to help him get that in good graces with Philemon. So anyway, having said that, let's, let's read this. That, that, that was a long introduction, I'm sorry, but kind of give you some background. So this, this book, this letter, is 25 verses long, so let's just read it. It says, Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, a beloved fellow worker, and, and then now he addresses some other people that he wants Philemon to pass this along to. And Aphia, our sister, and Acrippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards Lord Jesus Christ and all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective to full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the heart of the saints has been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Omnistius, Omnistius, I'm sorry, there it goes, who my father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and me. I'm sending him back to you and sending my very heart. 
I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent, nor that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why I parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, a beloved brother. Especially to me, but now much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all, if he owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand, I will repay it to say nothing of your own me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you even do more than I ask. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends his greetings to you, as also do Mark, Aristocars, Damas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Okay, so, a lot of things going on there. But see, Paul and his authority didn't just go, Philemon, this is what you're going to do. He appeals to him in sort of a pastoral persuasion. By the way, here's something that I understand, pastors, and people that bring things a lot and they want counsel or there's or or issues and they, they, they want direction or there's conflict. A lot of times in the past it's easy just to go, you're going to do this, this, and this. Scripturally, listen, in this house is what you're going to do. It's more beneficial at times to persuade because Paul wants Philemon not just to do something, he wants him to understand and see something. Hallelujah. Not just by saying you need to do this, but I need your heart to be caught and changed so you do this in your own accord. Right. There's something about you that I need you to see for this to be completely correct in nature. Okay? So he appeals to him not, not with, with a force of authority, but with some persuasion. And if you want to jump in, let's look at verse number five. Let's go back to it. It says, because I hear of your love and the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. Now, Paul is already being kind of sneaky right here. He drops on Philemon the love that you have for all the saints. Because what Philemon doesn't know is that his bondservant that ran away has now been converted and saved. And he's already playing a little bit. Because he's always tugging on him and saying, now you love all the saints, and he's about ready to let them know, and now your bondservant that has run away is now saved. So guess what? The love that you have for all the saints now needs to be in the same way to omniscient. Okay? Now here's the thing. Now, let me just throw this out. Immediately, I think some people probably already thought this, so you've got Philemon, who is saved, and he has a slave. Okay, wait a second, and now we've got some, whoa, 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 back up. We've got, we got some issues here. We're going to talk about this next week. Because what we want to do, and part of Paul's big picture, what we want to do is we want to see Paul come right out and say, you have a slave, that sin is wrong, stop. 
And Paul doesn't do that. We're like, Paul, what, what are you doing? What, why didn't you say that? Why didn't you just come out and throw it out there? As a matter of fact, for centuries, even I think Colossians somewhere, <coughs> Paul writes uh, the phrase, slaves obey your masters. It's in the scriptures. And for centuries, uh, people have used that to uphold that this is okay, as a matter of fact, it's sanctioned by God. Okay, so we're going to talk about this, that part of this next week. But for right now, we need to understand that Paul is beginning already to pull on Philemon, that the love that you have for the believers is going to be tested in a new way. Okay? Because I'm going to send him back to you, and I need you to see something, understand something when he comes back to you. Because of what will be proper in the fact that you are a follower of Jesus. Now what Paul begins to be right here, when we talk about theology lived out. Paul right now is beginning to act as a mediator. Right? He is beginning to mediate between Philemon and Onesimus. Okay? Um, and, and being the mediator, who is the mediator for us. Jesus. Christ Jesus. Amen. The Bible says that he is the mediator between us and the Father. It is through him we are saved and through him we are reconciled to the Father. Yes. Amen. Amen. Now Paul in this situation, he is beginning to act in this moment in the way that Christ Jesus has acted for him as mediator to the Father. So Paul is beginning to put into practice what God through Jesus has done for me is how I'd like to see this situation worked out. Because the gist of what's going on here is Paul wants there to be reconciliation between master and slave when the slave has wronged the master. And if you know anything about social systems, that's just not normal. And it's probably not going to happen. Right? But Paul is, is seeing some things happening here. Not only when it comes to the reconciliation of this relationship, but now this, this slave is in Christ Jesus. And what does that mean? What does it mean that, that somebody that is literally considered next to nothing is now in the body of Christ, where we are all one body, and no greater body part than the other. This is all called big picture. Okay? So Paul is acting as a mediator, and he starts to pull on Philemon and, and let him know, look, I'm going to send him back to you. I'd love to keep him, but I'm not going to do anything without your consent. Okay? I want him to do work for me because he's doing a good job. But when he comes back to you, I want to see your relationship reconciled because that is the work of Jesus. Isn't that right? Go ahead. Now, we exactly don't know what uh, uh, Omnisius did, but to Paul, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. He's saying, look, I'm going to mediate this situation. 
in the same way that Christ mediated for me. I want there to be reconciliation between these two guys in the same way between man and God by Jesus. As a matter of fact, as we read there, Paul writes, and if he owes you anything, charge it to me. I'll take care of it. Didn't Jesus do that on the cross for us? He said, charge it to me. I'll take all the sins to the cross. So I will take care of the issue so there can be reconciliation between God and man. See, Paul is living theology right here. In this situation, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Paul's living it. And what you have to understand is this would be highly unusual, especially in the aspect when Paul writes, and when you receive him, receive him as you would receive me. You think about that. Paul, in apostolic authority, respected by Philemon, Philemon really uh, would respect and listen to him. And by the way, the reason this, this letter survived and it's in our scriptural canon is because most likely Philemon listened and it became an example of what we're talking about. That's why it ended up in our Bible. So I'm going to send him back to you, this slave that wronged you, but receive him as you would receive me, as you respect me, as you would treat me with kindness and honor. Receive him back that way. As a matter of fact, let's uh, see verse number, uh, verse number 16. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. Especially to me, but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord. Don't just receive him back as your slave, but I want you to start to see him as your brother because that's what he is. He's your brother in the body of Christ. This is blowing up all sorts of social things right now. You see what I'm saying? I mean, Paul's just challenging a lot of stuff here. And, and notice, let's see if I can, um, let's see, verse, uh, let's see, verse 10, said, I appeal to you for my child, Onesius, who, whose father I became, Paul is counting him as his own child, because of the conversion that that experience that they had together. So Paul is bringing the slave, and he's elevating him up out of next to nothingness to the full-fledged member of honor in the body of Christ that defies the fact that he's a slave. And he's telling his master, treat him that way. And he even challenges him in verse 21, confident of your own obedience, I write to you knowing that you would even do more than I say. So there's, there's an there's a insinuated challenge to, to actually free him. Okay? So back to verse 17. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, can charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. That is so Christ-like. 
and so Christ-like that the cycle, the cycle of wrong in our world will only be stopped when some people start doing something for others they don't deserve. Hallelujah. And in this moment, Paul was willing to take the brunt. I want Paul. I want whatever the cycle is going to start happening now because ye wronged him. I want it to stop, and I'll take the brunt so it stops. Isn't that what Jesus did? That's right. He he took the wrong and then gave everybody what they don't deserve: forgiveness and salvation. He wanted to stop the cycle of sin and revenge and escalation. All that he wanted to stop. Paul's doing that in this situation. He said, Philemon, look, whatever he owes you, give it to me. I'll take it. Because I just want you guys to have reconciliation in your relationship. But, but reconciliation in a brand new way. You see? This is theology looked at. It's theology in motion, theology in practice. Okay? So Paul is, is asking something big of Philemon. So what Paul is doing is, as a mediator, he's saying, I want your relationship reconciled. I will, actually, so you can be reconciled, take the wrong upon myself and repay it. And a bigger picture is, in your reconciliation, I want you to start seeing this relationship as all brand new because this thing called the body of Christ, and there is no systems nor is there divisions there. See? Yeah. This is what Paul is asking by me. And it's, it's, a big, it's a big ask. It's a big, it's a big thing. And again, Paul doesn't come in and say, all right, Father, since you're saved, you believe in Jesus, you've got to do this. You have to do this. He is persuading him because, again, he wants Philemon to see and understand something. That will change the whole thing. Could if Philemon just, just respond, okay, Paul told me I have to do this. I'm going to have to do this because whatever Paul's going to start saying about me or throw me out of church, whatever you do. No, no. Philemon is going to start seeing something in a brand new way. And isn't that what it means to live in the kingdom? That you start to see things in a brand new way new way. Right. Everything about life and relationships and, 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 and how you view not only those outside the church but those in the church, you start seeing a brand new way. We have to learn how to live theology in the midst of messy relationships. <clears throat> this, this turned into a messy relationship. Did not. We have to learn how to practice what we believe in the midst of messy relationships. And that's what Paul's trying to teach Philemon here. It's what he's trying to show him. What he wants him to see. He wants Philemon to receive his slave back who has wronged him and reconciled. And not make him pay for what he did. But 
But not only remove that part of it, but now also see him in an elevated sense, is what we're going to talk about next week, an elevated sense that this is my brother in Christ Jesus. I must start to treat him that way. It's a whole brand new thing. See, that we in the church, in the midst of our relationships, would live theology this way. Where there is a wrong that happens, and it happens, that we would be willing to reconcile, allow the wrong to be dropped, and continue to honor, respect, and see each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord and, and act that way. Live theology. So Paul doesn't drop us all this stuff about justification, reconciliation in here, but you see him talking about it. You see the overtones. You see the theme. This is what he's getting at. Okay? Let's go to, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm almost done. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, here's a what? New How many are a new creation? Let's see. Okay. So new creation challenges you to live out. In other words, what we're saying, live out what has happened. Live out your theology, if you want to put it that way, of what has happened. You believe you're a new creation, that's theology, now live it out. That's what you believe, right? Then watch what happens as, as new creation. So the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Now watch, all this is from God, this is the word of God. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave now, what did he give us? He gave us the ministry of what? Keep reading. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. This isn't what Paul is, is doing with, with Philemon. Is this what's happening here? Bring reconciliation, don't count it wrong against him, right? And trusting us to us, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God made his appeal through us, and we would implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew, who knew, sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So watch this. We, as new creation, have been given the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, we are the agents in this world of the gospel of Jesus Christ so he can meet them and reconcile through the forgiveness of sin that person to the Father. That's the ministry of reconciliation. But watch this. How can you be a minister of reconciliation for Jesus and the forgiveness of sins to the Father if you are not living that in your own relationships? Amen. Right. And that's what Paul is getting at with Philemon. 
It's, it's one thing to speak out this time out and say, believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and then be an unforgiveness towards your brother or sister. You can't be the minister of reconciliation on behalf of God when you are not a peacemaker and a reconciler in the next relationships of your life. You have to learn to live your theology. Right? That's what's going on in the book of Philemon. First thing is that there is a challenge that can be hard. Now, just to nuance this real quick, it is not every relationship in your life can be completely reconciled. I get it. Abusive relationships, you understand the point. But in the overall general sense, we are to be people of reconciliation in the messy relationships of our life. And if it means you dropping the wrong, that that person wronged you, and, and letting it go, then you've got to do it because forgiveness and reconciliation doesn't happen until you start doing something for somebody they don't deserve. But that's what you found in him. Now you've got to learn to live it. It's hard. It's not easy. But let me just tell you something about ultimately what is forgiveness. When you hold on to things that you were wrong with, those scars will remain open wounds. It is only through forgiveness that those things will be healed. And when you forgive, you put to God whatever it needs to be because of the whole reaping and sowing process that he set up. Not about you. God does what he needs to do. Amen? Amen? You forgive and be reconciled. Live theology. Then, then you're in the right standing to say, then let me tell you about Jesus. Okay? Because even as Jesus said, you know, after, after the taught us how to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, he said after that, but if you're not willing to forgive others your sins, <laughs> The Heavenly Father can't forgive you of your sin. Until you learn to live theology, it's hard to receive from God everything He has for you. Amen. We're called to live this. And it can be hard. But we feel because we have the book of Philemon in our Bible, Philemon got this letter, and he was persuaded by Paul that he saw something, that he was reconciled, that Maybe he even sent him back to Paul and allowed and, and freed him from his personal uh, overseeing and let Paul in, in freedom, let Paul do and have, have him with him and they do the gospel work again. Think about it, the gospel work together, the apostle Paul and, and a freed slave. Equal footing, taking the gospel. Isn't there, isn't there something about that? Amen. Amen. So let's work on living our theology in messy relationships. So how many of y'all have, have essayed within the last month been wrong by somebody? Oh, wow, that's a, that's a chunk right there. I was expecting maybe a quarter, but that's more than half. Messy relationships. What are you going to do? How are you going to work to live your theology?
Amen? That's challenge. Amen? So, I, one story. I had a guy, um, I, I, told, I told you this story a long time ago when I first came, but some of you probably remember it. I, I, I worked, um, I, the first youth pastorate, the first youth pastorate um, that I had was in a planted church. And, and the guy who planted it was the first guy I ever said, hey, uh, I feel called to ministry. He took me under his wing, and when I graduated college, he hired me off, okay? But he was there for, I don't know, not long, and he stepped down and, and put in another guy came in. And this guy, it just, it just wasn't happening. And I, I'll never forget, um, just a couple quick stories out I, I they had a lot of live plants in the church for some reason. And somehow, because I was a low man on totem pole, I was in charge of watering plants. Not a good idea, if you know me. And I was watering the plants, but I actually was literally overwatering these two plants that weren't supposed to get a lot of water. I don't understand. I thought all plants get water. Apparently, it's not true. All right? And we were literally in a church with a group of people about this size, getting ready for Christmas. And all of a sudden, I was just getting screamed at across the sanctuary room about this plant. And I'm just like, what in the world? And I'm just like, and this time I'm all like, like 24 years old with that. And I, I actually, I didn't know what was happening first. And I saw everybody looking at me, and it still was directed my way. And I'm concerned, oh, it's about a plant. I didn't know what's happening. I'm trying to get over there to cut this conversation off, and it wasn't happening. And and literally, like the very next Sunday, people were like pulling me aside. You know how it goes, people in church. What is that all about? Do they treat you like that all the time? You know, you mean you know how church people are. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh no, it's all good. It's, it's all. And I'm already working for reconciliation. And I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm just, I'm still young. I'm immature in my faith. But the understanding, but man, that hurt. And like it. You know, made me feel stupid. Kind of tore down for all the people, you know? And then a couple more instances happened that were, were similar in nature. And I was like, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm, I'm checking down the road, man. I don't need this mess. And I, I remember I started doing some things, and the Lord dropped in my heart and said, don't leave yet. And, and there were some reasons why. And I was just like, Serious? Do I really have to put up with this? You know, that, that kind of thing. And one of the big things he started to teach me was the ability to take a wrong and go, I can see past the wrong to something that's causing the wrong. You see what I'm saying? And there, there were some other things going on that doesn't make excuse for it, but it, it you can see kind of why things may have been happening. And you start teaching a lot about forgiveness and laying things down and not worrying about revenge and repaying and getting my due and, and, and getting them back. You know? And that, that, to be honest with you, being a pastor in a church, you have to learn that lesson. Because <laughs> you're the biggest target in the place every time you walk in, to be honest with you. And you have to learn to go, Okay, but you know what? It, it's okay. We need to maybe work this out, but I forgive. 
And the bigger picture to me is not, not repaying, but the bigger picture is that we are reconciled in relationship. Why? Because that's what my Lord did for me. And I've got to learn this lesson. I have to learn it. Because I can't, I could not keep doing what I do if I didn't learn that lesson. Because you, you can't be a minister of the gospel when you're bitter and hold grudges and have unforgiven. You, it doesn't work. You have to learn how to get past the wrongs. That it's our calling. The Bible says, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Oh my goodness. That's a, that's a good Amen? Amen. Let's live, let's live our theology. That was one of my very first big lessons of living what I preached. <coughs> Amen. Alright, Lord. Lord, help us. We need your help. That we learn how to live the Christian way in the middle of the mess of our lives very specifically some, some relationships that just aren't quite the way they should be. Help us, Lord, to see in a new way and live the life that you're calling us to live through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the help of the Holy Spirit. I pray that we do so. In Jesus' name, everybody say Amen. 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 All right, well, good deal. One Big Family Sunday. We'll see you Sunday morning. Have a blessed, blessed rest of the week.